Welcome to 1000 Words, Stories on the Way. My name is Matthew Clark, and this is the second episode. Uh, I've been so encouraged by your responses to the first episode last week. Thanks for listening, and also thanks for letting me know that you enjoyed it. Uh, And thanks for reviews on iTunes. I'm not really sure how positive reviews affect things like within the iTunes world. Um, They do, of course, make me feel very warm and fuzzy inside, which is nice. So thank you. Um, Also, the podcast should be up on Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Google, and Amazon soon if if it isn't already. Uh, my friend Jody pointed out that she likes to be able to revisit the podcast essay by reading the text. I also uh, love actually looking at the words. So I did want to let you know that the essay text is available on the podcast homepage. Just visit www.matthewclark.net slash 1000 words and click on the episode. Uh, you can also leave comments there. And maybe we can have some conversation. That'd be fun. Uh, It's been raining almost nonstop the last several days here in Mississippi. It's raining right now. So I've hardly been outside at all. I try to go walking most days, but I've just been cooped up in the house instead. So maybe that's why when I sat down to write uh, this week's podcast, I started thinking about one of my favorite places uh, to go walking. It's an arboretum just off the back of a big neighborhood near where I live. I think it's pretty great that someone thought to just set aside this 10 acres and and protect this 10 acres of woods and create walking paths all through it. Uh, that's really that's really great. Um, and I love to go walking there. So this week's reflection is just me looking back on one particular day. Close to a year ago when I went walking in those woods and how what I saw or what I saw uh, 54 times and how that got me thinking. So thank you for listening. I'm Matthew Clark and here's a reflection called 54 Frogs. Fifty-four Frogs. I counted 54 pinky nail-sized frogs on a single walk, one day, in a patch of woods near where I live. It began with catching some hardly noticeable movement in my peripheral vision, some strange, small shift on the ground among the scattered pine needles, oak leaves, and gravel. I walked on slowly, winding my way among the trees until I identified the little creatures. After seeing six or seven of them, I decided I'd better keep count. Now, twelve. Now, eighteen wee hoppers. They just kept showing up along the way. Twenty. Twenty-six tiny frogs. Twenty-six little bundles of DNA and some mysterious touching word from the word himself, whispered in a hidden deep beneath leaf mold and swamp water. A friend of mine once said, 
there is a person bigger than the universe. And if he pleases, he may peer through a single droplet, halted for a moment at the tip of a leaf, to see, magnified in its clear convexity, the rich and secret world it windows out upon. He may even, if he pleases, send a peaceful army of frogs across a patch of woods for one person, one day, to count as they walk. Thirty. Thirty pebble gray frogs. Dr. and Mrs. Walter Simmons donated the ten acres that have been cultivated into this little arboretum just on the edge of a large suburban development nearby. It's one of my favorite places to go walking in the afternoons. My dad is a tree farmer in rural Mississippi, and there's something about being in the woods that settles me, something that uh, grounds me, humbles me in a way that is restful. The word humble is etymologically rooted in the earth, as in humus. It's the same word as the food hummus, which tastes great, but kind of looks like mud. That's why you're being particularly humble anytime you eat pita chips and hummus. But why is humility restful? Maybe because it is a return to the right ordering of anything within creation. As a human, I am humus, literally, of the ground, and called out of the earth by the loving voice of my Creator, Jesus. My whole perspective on humility changed several years ago when I took a group of high school guitar students to a Phil Kagi concert. I looked down the row to see their faces transfixed in wonder and joy as Kagi played that night. Not one of those young guitar players felt threatened by Kagi's mastery. Not one of them voiced an ounce of self-deprecation. On the contrary, the conversation on the ride home was overflowing with elation. We had all been put in our place in front of a master guitar player, and the result of our humbling was joy. Humility frees us to take joy in the gift of life around us, to aspire to shed the threat of competition, to welcome all wonders, to love. Just next to St. Mary Basilica in Natchez, Mississippi, there are several oak trees more than 200 years old. I've heard there's one around 400 years old. It cannot be encompassed, though you try with all your might to reach your arms around. To walk among the trees is to be made small beneath their towering crowns, and to be glad to be so small. Humility and rest are interlaced. To know that you cannot encompass the world, yourself, or anyone, is a relief. We can walk among the trees. We can lean against them and dally in the radiance of their inlit green and let ourselves be touched by the gift of our place beneath them. Now, 37 frogs, each one 
not much bigger than a pencil eraser, little darkling droplet eyes, and sinews knit intricately, taut for jumping along the forest path. Out of the corner of my eye, two more, thirty-nine. As I round the corner where the path stems away and dips into the cedar brake. Cedar brake is not technically part of the arboretum as far as I know, but folks have ventured off into this swath of fragrant cedar enough to wear a path through it. The footpath leads to a dead end at a small, worn circle, where I imagine perhaps elves sup on occasion. There are smooth-skinned vines, as big around as your arm, that droop and sway from those branches. And in the spring of the year, some kind of weed that flowers up tall and bursts into incandescent magenta, like fireworks. The cedars themselves stand haggard with peeling bark. You might pinch a sprig from a branch, break it, and rub the bits with your thumb into one palm and breathe in their freshness. If you do, I believe you'll know something true about the cosmos, that, as Hopkins says, there lives the dearest freshness deep down things. Forty-three frogs! I've been walking for maybe an hour. And 43, I've been paying close attention, watching, and hoping to see them. Ever since I was a little boy, I've loved frogs. Did you ever have one of those bug boxes as a kid? It was about the size of a lunchbox, but shaped like a mailbox. The rounded roof made of wire mesh like a screen door. At one end, there was an inch and a half hole with a round door that swung on a single nail. Four or five-year-old me would take my bug box out most nights to the backyard to catch frogs. If I caught one, I would swing open the round door and slip him into the box and trot to the porch under the light to get a better look. Norman Wurzba says that attention requires affection. The willingness to pay the cost of attentiveness starts with affection, with care. When I read Gerard Manley Hopkins, I get the sense that he is fond of the world. He sees it because he loves it. He's willing to attend to it because it is dear to him. Care takes real courage because it puts us in the place of vulnerability. The call to be responsive and simply receive, allowing another thing to be itself, apart from our control. To love without possessiveness. In Matthew 21, Jesus says the Pharisees, like workers in a vineyard, would kill the heir in order to possess the vineyard. Ironically, they could have become co-heirs themselves. The gift was available but their possessiveness was self-sabotaging. Control is easier than courage. Fifty! Fifty fond-found froglings upon the fortunate forest path. Great blue herons wing over the water in slow flourish like enormous feathered calligraphers. 
There are boards missing here and there on the pier, extending over the marshy water where the woods open onto a bay. I scared up some ducks, who made a big racket before they hid themselves again in the tall water weeds. The cypress send up trees' knees around the water's edge, and I wonder if there might be an alligator eyeing me nearby. This spot is near the end of the walk. I'll turn back toward where I parked and head home soon. This stepping away from home restores my capacity to belong to a home. This place, off of what Brian Brown calls the conveyor belt of life, has a way of gently cleansing the eyes of the heart to receive home as a gift. I'm wondering if home is where our affections gather into attentiveness. If that is so, I pray that my affections would be healed and led toward things that are actually good. In the end, I think, home is a truth outside of ourselves that eyes us tenderly and with affection. We at rare times step aside and see as in the periphery what is really central. Those eyes that look for us and give themselves to us as a gift. It may be that the quiet but incessant summons to attend comes as a bunch of frogs hardly noticed along the way. Sometimes it takes a lot of frogs for me to pay attention. But I did pretty good today. It only took 54. Uh, Something about thinking back on that walk reminded me of this little passage from the end of Marilyn Robinson's Gilead. And I think it would make a good um, kind of closing word. So I pray that we will have the courage to see, um, to look for the Lord, and uh, to trust that He's good. Maybe even God is a little shy in some way. Maybe even He likes to be pursued. I mean, who doesn't? So here is Robinson's Gilead. It has seemed to me sometimes as though the Lord breathes on this poor gray ember of creation, and it turns to a radiance for a moment, or a year, or the span of a life. And then it sinks back into itself again. And to look at it, no one would know it had anything to do with fire or light. That's what I said in the Pentecost sermon. I've reflected on that sermon, and there is some truth in it, but the Lord is more constant, far more extravagant than it seems to imply. Wherever you turn your eyes, the world can shine like transfiguration. You don't have to bring a thing to it, except a little willingness to see. Only who could have the courage to see it? That's all for this week. Visit matthewclark.net slash 1000words. 
Uh, you can read the episodes there and you can comment. On iTunes, reviews and subscriptions are great if you enjoy the podcast. And lastly, back on the website, you can also partner with me in this work through donations. You can become a monthly donor or you can support through a one-time gift. All that is available there on the website. You can also sign up for my mailing list. So have a look at those opportunities. Um, I'm also on Instagram. My handle is at Matthew Clark Net, all one word. I'm Matthew Clark. Thanks so much for listening.